All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by none other than the head honcho of the Falcoholic himself, Dave Choate. We're going to be talking about trades. We're going to be making our official picks for who the Falcons will take in round one, as well as answering some of your listener questions. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcfans and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today I am joined by Dave Choate, a guest that I don't think has been on since the season at some point where we were probably having a conversation about the Falcons potentially firing their head coach and or their GM. But uh, we have Dave on tonight to talk with us about, you know, Thursday, the big day where the Falcons may or may not be making a big, bold, you know, franchise changing, you know, timeline resetting move and trade. But uh, Dave, I want to welcome you back to the show, my friend. It's good to be on. And uh, it's great to be on talking about the annual trade roulette with Tommy D. So excited about it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I this year's. I wasn't paying too much attention to it, just like last year's. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. I mean, obviously, it is a big topic of discussion, um, but it was one of those things where the way I looked at it is that, yeah, the Falcons are probably making some calls, but when push comes to shove, they probably, similar to what I figure happened last year, the price is going to be a little too steep for them to actually pull the trigger on the trade. But it just seems like every day since, you know, whatever it was last Wednesday, last Thursday, when this started to really pick up steam, it seems like it continues to roll along. I'm, I'm curious, Dave, um, where you stand on the likelihood. Do you feel like this is inevitable or have you been burned too many times thinking the Falcons are going to trade up to make some big splash move possibly for a big time pass rusher uh, to, to really uh, sink your teeth into this one? I, I think the, the weirdness of this year has convinced me that they're going to do it. Um, you know, as you said, we have been and burnt before as recently as last year when it seemed like, um, you know, the trade up for a pass rusher of some stripe, whether it was at Oliver or someone like that was, was feeling pretty inevitable, obviously didn't happen. But I think, you know, the the sheer number of rumors, the, the huge holes on this Falcons defense this year and the fact that, you know, uh, this is the year to make a big splash, I guess, if you're, you're Dimitrov and Dan Quinn and you're, you're concerned about your jobs long term. And if you don't know if there's going to be a season or a college football season in the fall or any of that, um, that, that creates a lot of uncertainty for next year, maybe your best bet, um, or at least you think inside the walls of Thomas Dimitrov's house that the best bet is to trade up and get that one guy you're sure about. So I, I think, most years I'd be a, a little bit more skeptical. I, I still get swept up in it pretty easily, but I, I think this year th this feels like if they strike out, it won't be for lack of trying. And, and you talk about sort of their perspective on making that big bold trade. Uh, I'm curious, do you feel like this is the right time to make that trade because of all the reasons that you laid out? Or is that more of, uh, I guess a stretch or reach to try to find justifications for a big bull trade up. I think 
it's to me it's more of a stretch it's more of a reach um i look at this falcons team you know in in sort of the same way i looked at it um when the falcons first made the julio jones trade which was you know obviously world-class player um you know as more time goes on that that trade i think looks better and better in a lot of ways but you know that was kind of a swing for a superstar receiver like that was the the missing piece at least in the short term and Obviously, you know, they got pretty close in 2012, but we found that that wasn't the case. And, you know, I, I think the Falcons are further away in some ways, um, even if maybe the overall talent level looks higher on paper um, than they were when they, they swung that last trade. And I think that that kind of short-term gambling um, tends to have real consequences for a team that's not you know, built to take a couple of injuries to major players or a couple of, you know, unexpected down years for their big name guys. I think if you deplete the stocks this year, you're you're dealing with a small draft class when you need a larger one to fill these holes and potentially, you know, strip mining your draft capital a year from now. I, I would understand why this particular regime would do that because they don't necessarily have to think as long term, even if they might like to, but I think for the Falcons as a whole, I doubt they can get that one guy that's going to push them over the top either now or in the immediate future, um, especially compared to you know what it's going to take to get into the top five, if, if indeed that's what they're looking to do. So in high school, I was known as Cynical Pete, and don't ask me how I got that nickname, but uh, I can't but sort of embrace that nickname with its trademark cynicism where do you find it fair to say that maybe not only because of the things that you just outlined with the idea that they're on the hot seat and they need to make something big and splashy to potentially, you know, cool down that seat. Do you think part of this is, you know, they got new jerseys. There were question marks about getting butts into seats. There's, you know, I, I haven't seen the numbers by any means, but maybe given certain things that are going on in this country, maybe ticket sales aren't sort of what they once were. And does it feel like some of this is more of a business decision than necessarily a good football decision? Or is that a little too cynical in your eyes? Um, I I don't know if it's too cynical. I I think that there are enough football reasons, um, especially given Dimitrov's track record with this team. Um, that I, I don't necessarily think that's that's a major driver for this, but at the same time, I, I also think, you know, this off season and last off season, in a lot of ways, I felt were very much um, built around that. You know, it, whatever football reasons they might have had for investing in the offensive line as much as they did a year ago, and, and bringing back Matt Ryan unexpectedly at the last second, those didn't feel purely like football moves. And I, I do think, you know, the Todd Gurley signing earlier this offseason, um, you know, the New Jersey's, as you mentioned, and, you know, the possibility of getting a stud player that the fan base would be excited about, that has to be a consideration. I, I think these guys want, you know, fans to spend money. They want them to like this football team. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, that's playing in the back of the mind. So I, I don't think it's too cynical to say that if it is a major driver, I would be surprised in this particular instance, but I guess if they go get Andrew Thomas um, in the top 10, we'll know where they're at. Uh-huh. Yeah. I could, I hear you on that one. So that all being said, got Dave's uh, perspective on this trade talk and we will 
come back in a moment and get my perspective as well as his on who this team will ultimately be drafting uh, when we get to Thursday night coming up on today's podcast. But before we get there, I should plug the draft related podcast, the daily draft related podcast that you can find right here on the lockdown podcast network, including the draft dudes podcast hosted by Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, as well as the locked on NFL draft podcast hosted by Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. Of course, you can find those podcasts on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever else is your favorite podcast platform that you're listening to me talk right now. So I have Dave Choate, head of the Falcoholic here, longtime comrade and uh, friend here, probably the most frequent guest we've had on Locked on Falcons slash Falc fans podcast. And, uh, you know, always good to sort of pick Dave's brain because I think Dave has perspective and uh, that's what you get when you've been doing this for as long as he has had. So now we're going to get his perspective on who he thinks the Falcons are ultimately going to be picking. Um, and, and Dave, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, a choice here that if you want to project not only who they pick, if they trade up or who they're going to pick if they happen to stay at 16. I'll, I'll leave you the floor to, to go in whatever direction you want to go. All right. Well, I, um, I'm going to stick with my, my mock pick um, over time, and I, I think that they are going to end up with C.J. Henderson out of Florida. I think you know their interest in, in Jeff Okuda from Ohio State is probably legitimate. I, I think you know, I do believe that Dimitrov has at least checked in on what it would take to get into the top five and get him. Ultimately, I, I think and, and really in some ways hope that that price is going to be a little bit too steep for him. Um, and I do think that he'll take a skip hop and a jump up a few spots, possibly to number nine with Jacksonville, possibly um, you know just outside the top 10 to get Henderson. I don't think he'll be able to stand pat at 16 and get him as much as I might like to think that. But I do think this team has boxed themselves into selecting a cornerback with their first pick. Um, and ultimately, even if I might like to be surprised and, and see them go for someone like Kinlaw or if they were going to make a blockbuster trade up, go after Chase Young, I, I think it will be Henderson. I think that's a, a very fair pick. I will go with my pick. I'm going to die on this hill. Uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Terrell from Clemson. I, I feel like Terrell's going to be the pick. And maybe I'm a little bit too biased from last year where, you know, we heard the trade up talk and then the Falcons took a player at uh, in Chris Lindstrom that a lot of people sort of saw more as a second round type of player. And I know a lot of mock draft simulators have had AJ Terrell go in round two and, and possibly f- to the Falcons at that pick 47 spot. But everything I've heard tells me that AJ Terrell is going to be um, a, a top 20 pick. And I, when these trade rumors first started, I, I thought a lot of it was them sort of trying to feel around where they could go to in order to make sure that they got their cornerback. And I think AJ Terrell is going to be their guy. Um, he's a local kid. He went to Clemson, you know, has the athletic testing that they typically strive for uh, with their top end picks. I put out on Twitter maybe a month or so ago that every, uh, I think every first round pick the Falcons have had with 
maybe one exception. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but in the Dan Quinn era has had a like 89th percentile or higher broad jump score. And Terrell meets that and, and Henderson doesn't, I think he's like 84th or something like that. So uh, that sort of led me, I, I guess, to start looking at AJ Terrell. He doesn't have typically the length that they look for, but you know, he's like maybe a, a few eighths of an inch below typically what their threshold is for arm length. So I don't think they'll hold that against them. And so I feel like they're going to stand pat, wait at 16, take AJ Terrell, even if CJ Henderson is on the board and he's going to be their guy. And I, Look forward to being right if if that is the case, and if I'm wrong, then so be it. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Absolutely, but I, I mean, I think it's interesting that we're both on corner. Um, you know, and, and the Falcons do tend to throw those positional curveballs, which is, I guess, the thing that makes me the most nervous heading into this. Absolutely, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and um, you know, because Dave and I go way back. And uh, last time we made a friendly wager, it was involving a Sherrod White being released. And uh, I got a nice Zaxby's gift card out of it. We will sort of exchange a little bit of a wager here. And if CJ Henderson's the pick and if AJ Terrell's the pick, one of us will win. If it's, you know, anybody else, then, uh, you know, everybody wins, I guess. Um, but we will do Postmates. Um, which is, you know, sponsoring the lockdown podcast this week, as well as given the times in, in these days, we will exchange some amount of money on Postmates to may whoever made the best man win there. Indeed. Yeah. So, um, I promised earlier on this week's episodes that I would project who I think the Falcons will take in the first four rounds. So I already have AJ Terrell as my first round pick. Second round pick, you know, once you get out of first round, it's darn near impossible to, to pick who teams are going to pick. But let's let's go out on a limb. I, I have Falcons taking LSU center Lloyd Cushenberry in round two. Then in round three, I have a player that I think Dave is probably going to, you know, fist pump to Wyoming linebacker Logan Wilson. And then uh, yep. round four, again, this is just. Throwing darts at a board, I have Arkansas D-tackle McTelvin agent with that first fourth round pick. And then I have Virginia wide receiver slash kick returner Joe Reed with the second of the fourth round picks. And then who, who Lord knows what we're going to do in, in round seven. But uh, uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on that potential mock? Do you feel, see this realistic? Do you have any thoughts on any of those particular players? Is there another direction that you would go if you were trying to project out what the Falcons draft will be? No, I think that's a good haul. I think, you know, I tend to forget about the possibility of them going um, for somebody like Cushenberry as early as the second. But, you know, realistically, Alex Mack is probably not back on this team with its cap crunch and and with his age a year from now. So getting that that heir apparent is, I think, a good idea. Um, You know, I my personal third round mock pick which will be on the falcoholic tomorrow morning and um is also logan wilson um he's just a guy that you know feels like a falcons pick to me and he feels like somebody who would go right in that range um and and certainly it seems like the team is interested in him so i think that's a fine pick and and i really like um and I, I, you just said his name and i'm already going to butcher his last name but mctelvin we'll call him mm-hmm. um you know, he's he's a guy that again um you know, maybe it'll surprise people um, a little bit that he's going that early. I don't think he was, 
getting a ton of buzz up until, you know, February or so, but um, good player and the Falcons have repeatedly alluded to the fact that this is a deep defensive tackle class, um, which probably means they have their eyes on somebody uh, in the fourth round or later. Um, so I think that's a good haul. Yeah. And, and I was doing some research on McTelvin because he's a guy that I, I've been aware of, um, but not necessarily taking a deep dive. So I, you know, I was surprised to find out that he was like a five-star prospect coming out of high school and was like one of the biggest uh, recruits for Arkansas um, that they've had in, in a long time. So um, certainly, you know, going to Arkansas, no offense to Arkansas fans out there, but going to Arkansas over some, maybe some other SEC powers may not have led to him having, you know, the best college career uh, in living up to that sort of billing. Um, but uh, certainly an interesting player that, you know, once you take a deeper look at him and we'll, we'll have to sort of see if he's in their range uh, in, in those middle rounds of the draft. So um, Dave and I are going to come back and answer some listener questions. We got two, one asking us about sort of what are the best positions and fits for six current Falcon players. And maybe Dave and I will have similar opinions on that or differing opinions on that, as well as a question about our thoughts on Chase Young, who is possibly in the mix to be the player that the Falcons will, will go up for. And then maybe finally Dave will get the Falcons, uh, that big time trade for a pass rusher that I know Dave and I have been talking about going back many, many years and uh, we'll see how that turns out, but that's coming up on today's podcast. And of course, guys, if you are interested in your own mock draft, you know, one variation of the mock that you guys should check out if you missed it last week was the locked on NFL mock draft special. It aired a six part series last week where every host of the locked on podcast network went through through the first round and, and somewhat into the second round to make their selective teams, their respective teams selections. And of course you can check out that on the Lockdown NFL podcast on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So, Dave, uh, there was a couple of questions that I did not get to on yesterday's uh, Twitter Tuesday slash Q and A episode, and now I'm using you as an opportunity to uh, help me answer some of these questions, and uh, maybe we'll get a little bit of uh, differing answers and a differing perspective on many of these questions. Coming up. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Our first question comes from Jim at Jim four, one, two, eight, eight. And he asks, in your opinion, what is the best position for DeMonte Casey, Matt Gano, uh, Kendall Sheffield, Ricardo Allen, Allen Bailey, and John Kaminsky. And Jim gives a couple of options for each. So we'll just go player by player. And he has free safety, strong safety, and nickel for DeMonte Casey. Dave, your thoughts on that? I, I put him at, um, Free safety, personally, I, I think that you know he was most successful um, in his stint there. I think it gives him an opportunity to do um, what he does best in this defense, which is I think make plays on the ball. Um, you know, I think Casey's a good player, um, kind of no matter where you put him. I think I'd rather not see him at corner again um, if push came to shove. But that to me feels like um, you know even if. It involves moving Ricardo Allen around a little bit or splitting things up. It feels like the best fit for him. I think that was definitely where he's had the most success during his time with the Falcons. And, you know, I'd love to see him get 
an honest start at starting there from the very beginning of a season. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm on an island with the Casey stuff. I I I kind of liked him more as a nickel cornerback than I did as a free safety. I just thought he was underwhelming last year. I know he made plays, but I thought he regressed a little bit in terms of his decision making, his awareness, being in position, those sorts of things last year in the second half of the season. And to be honest with you, going back and and watching him at corner in that first half of the season, certainly he wasn't great by any means, but I I don't feel like his coverage was the issue. I felt like it was tackling. I felt like, you know, there were frequent miscommunications that did involve him, but I don't know if it's fair to necessarily point the finger at him specifically um, when those men. Uh, those mental errors and miscommunications were rife across the entire defense. So I feel like Casey stint as a nickel cornerback was kind of marred a little bit by the stink fest that the rest of the defense was. And so then when the Falcons were able to fix some of those issues and improve some of those issues um, in the second half of the season, when he was moved to free safety, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I don't love him as a safety. I, I would like to see him, uh, you know, essentially the way I would explain it is I feel like as a safety, if his play doesn't improve significantly from where it was last year, he, like to me, he's just a kind of a backup safety. And I, I think at least there's some untapped potential there as a, as a cornerback potentially. Um, so we'll just have to sort of see how that turns out, but let's um, move on to the next player. And that's Matt Gano. And uh, Jim asks, do you think his best position is a guard or a tackle? I personally think tackle. Um, you know, I, I think his best opportunity to play on this team is going to come at guard. So I, I am sort of biased that way because I really want to see him get the opportunity the team has been hyping him up for. Um, but just in a limited amount we've seen him play, I, I feel like he's looked more natural at tackle. I think he, he'll be more successful there. I was kind of looking forward to actually seeing him, you know, get a couple games to start on the right side um, while Caleb McGarry was recuperating, and then that that didn't really work out. Um, But I think long-term, the Falcons keep trying to kind of patch tackle with, with, you know, Ty Sombrellos and and so forth. But I I think Gano can be that guy. I think he's a good fit for that position. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say mine. I go with tackle. But, you know, before I kind of like, well, you know, watching him play in college a little bit as a guard and a little bit in the preseason, I wasn't that impressed with him as a guard. But then when he got an opportunity last year in that one game, I can't remember if it was a Carolina game or or something else, I thought he looked pretty good. So I'm definitely willing to revise that, and especially if the Falcons do adopt a little bit more of that wide zone scheme that Kyle Shanahan made famous. I think he's much better fit in that type of scheme than any of the other current options the Falcons have at left guard. So uh, I am definitely open to the idea that he could wind up being a better guard, but currently based off of what we've seen so far, I would say tackle. Mm. Let's move on to Kendall Sheffield and we have nickel corner and outside corner. Yeah, I, I like him at nickel. I think that, you know, his, athleticism his skill set translates well um and i think he can play either i think dan quinn um was engaging in a little bit of hyperbole when he said that he can be a number one corner in this league i'm not sure i see quite that kind of upside but i do think he can play anywhere you need him to i do think he's a better fit as a nickel corner and i think we'll see um you know his ability to to make plays on the ball which i think is a little bit underrated um used more effectively there. And, and I think that's especially true if the Falcons go ahead and draft somebody 
in the first or second round that they expect to play outside. Um, you're not going to stuff Oliver uh, at nickel either. And so I think Sheffield's a good fit. Yeah, you know, this is a little bit of a cop-out, but uh, I, I don't know if we've seen enough of a body of work for me to strongly feel one way or the other. But I'll just go outside corner just because I think having the speed that he does means that he can be a little bit more of an asset there because he's going to face a lot more of those sort of fast vertical guys on the outside than he would at the nickel. And just because like, I still think his technique needs to be cleaned up a lot, and I think that can get exposed a little bit more when you're playing inside with more of those polished route runners against you know, some of those quicker underneath guys. Um, but you know, I, I thought he did enough positive as a, uh, nickel corner that I, I wouldn't necessarily feel that, you know, if we get a couple of games into the season and he's dabbling both as an outside and an inside corner to start the year and he winds up looking better as a nickel. So I'm teetering on the fence, but I, I guess I'll just fall on the side of outside just based off of a limited body of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricardo Allen and the options are free safety, strong safety, or nickel. See, interestingly, I, I guess I'll kind of reverse where I was with Casey here. I would actually like to see him tried out at nickel um, if it comes to that and that opportunity is available to him. Um, you know, I, he was drafted as a corner um, originally and never really got that shot under Mike Smith, but I've always been interested to see what he would do with a large opportunity there. Um, I think he's just a, an intelligent, instinctual defender. I think he does really good work, um, you know, deep coverage uh, as the free safety most of the time. So I would like to see him get that opportunity if it presents itself, especially if the team does think Casey um, should get a crack at a starting job. Yeah, I, I got to go free safety, Rick Ricardo. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, as they say. But I think the thing that you like about Ricardo is when he's been asked to do those other roles, whether that be nickel or strong safety, he has performed more than adequately, you know, and so he has definitely been able to fill those shoes. And, you know, I think that's one of the values that you have in Ricardo Allen is that when the team has been in a a bind and they've needed him to step into another role, he's been able to fill those shoes adequately. So, but I I do think free safety is his best position because of the reasons that you said with the, the instincts and the awareness and whatnot, let's move on to Alan Bailey and the choices are, or let's, let's, since the choices are the same, Alan Bailey and John Kaminsky, both the choices are three technique or five technique. So I'm taking, um, Alan Bailey at the five technique. And I think that, you know, Bailey is coming off of, Surprisingly, I, I thought kind of lousy year for him. He's a player that I've liked for a long time. Um, I think I mocked him to the Falcons way, way back when, um, back in 2011. Um, and it obviously didn't end up there then, but he's still a player I like. I think that was a little bit of a fluky bad season for him. Um, and I think that he is a good defensive end. I think he's always been uh, a good run defender. And I think that he's a little bit of an underrated pass rusher. Certainly, you know, the production isn't always there, but it was just a couple of years ago um, that he had six sacks and quite a few pressures, did some fine work there. So another shot there, um, especially because I think this team's weakness over the years really in a lot of ways has been not having enough guys who are quality run defenders on the, uh, on the edge of the defensive line. But I do think Kaminsky should be three tech. I think that 
they drafted him with the intent to move him inside. Um, Dan Quinn did say that shortly after he was drafted, I believe. And I think they've been looking for that interior presence um, with Grady Jarrett for a while now who can be an effective pass rusher. There's certainly not anybody else in the defensive tackle group today that I'd look at as being that kind of guy. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see what he can do with a year of development um, and just using that that really excellent athleticism on the interior. So I'd, I'd like to see, and he didn't get much of a shot last year anyways, but I'd like to see Kaminsky take on that full-time role um, and maybe you know, get a lot of third down work. Yeah. For me, Bailey, you know, again, maybe this is a, a, too much of a cop out, but for me, it's, you know, on th- passing downs, I want Bailey as a three tech. Uh, Cause I feel like that's where he's done his best work in that role. Uh, but on rundowns, I think he's a more than solid five technique and that's where he shined. And I would echo the same state statements that you had Dave, where I thought, you know, last year as a pass rusher, he was pretty underwhelming, but as a run defender, I thought he was, you know, excellent. Uh, a year ago, but uh, obviously we're looking for a little bit more juice uh, against the uh, as a pass rusher this upcoming season. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how he fits into that. And with Kaminsky, I'll you know continue the trend of being the opposite as you, Dave. Uh, and I'll go with five technique. But I think you pointed it out that the you know the potential there for Kaminsky to be a better three technique, and and certainly based off of what we saw last year, I would go five technique. But in terms of if he's a guy that I think has sort of bulked up a little bit, you know, put on a little bit more mass as well as maybe developed a, a legit pass rush move, then I think you could easily switch that to three technique where he will be best utilized uh, to be able to use that athleticism against maybe some slower footed guards uh, versus some of the tackles that he would face as a five technique. So our last question comes from Mahaffey Malachi on Twitter. And uh, he wants to know, what is your analysis on Chase Young as a player, and what would be your thoughts on trading up to get him? I know you hate trade ups, but just think about the caliber of player that we have. Dave, what are your thoughts on Chase Young? Yeah, so I, I do love Chase Young. I think you know I don't know if he's you know a generational guy or not um, in the NFL from a production standpoint, at least. But certainly, he strikes me as the guy who has that sort of sky high potential that the Falcons have not been able to get on this football team. And, you know, through the draft since what Patrick Kearney uh, years and years and years ago. Um, So I look at him as a player that could be transformative for this pass rush. And I think he would be worth the large haul to go get him. I still, you know, for the reasons I said, I think earlier on this podcast, I'm still kind of not in favor of doing that. I think the, Falcons would have to give up probably too much to get up and go get young. Uh, and, you know, if it turns out that he's not quite an elite guy from day one, which is a real possibility, um, as good as he is, you know, they're in big trouble this year and they, they could be in big trouble next year, depending on what kind of draft capital that takes. So, you know, as good as he can be, I, I don't think it's quite worth it for the Falcons in their current position to go get him. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young is an interesting player, and and I want to caveat my criticisms of him are more nitpicks than anything because when we're talking about Chase Young, he's clearly a very talented player, clearly a very special prospect. But when we talk about him in comparison to some of the elite pass rushers that we've seen come into the draft over the last couple of years with Nick Bosa and Bradley Chubb, and Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett, 
um, to name a couple, Khalil Mack and whatnot. I don't know if Chase Young really stands out amongst that group of players. Uh, I was kind of late watching Chase Young. I only really started watching him over the last week. Once the rumors started talking, we're like, okay, might as well finally take a deeper look into Chase Young. Obviously, I had seen quite a bit of him watching, you know, Ohio State games live during the fall over the last two years and knew that he was a very talented player. But really sort of looking at him with a deeper eye, I think he's a very talented player. Don't get me wrong. And I don't want anybody to hear me say these things and say, Aaron doesn't think Chase Young is really good. No, I think he's, you know, a nine and a half out of ten. But when you have a whole bunch of guys that have come out over the last couple of years that are also nine and a halves or higher out of tens, I don't know if Chase Young really sort of stands out. And so like the way I would explain it is like, I don't think he's as good as Bosa. I don't think he's as good as either Bosa. I don't think he's as good as Miles Garrett. I would put him maybe slightly above Bradley Chubb. Uh, with when we're comparing him to some of the generational talents. And I put it out on Twitter earlier on Tuesday that I think his floor is Brian Arakpo and his ceiling is Khalil Mack. And for those of you that are confused about that, when I talk about a player's floor, it's to me what I think that player is coming into the league, not necessarily what I think at a minimum he's going to be, you know, three to five years down the road. It's like, I think he can come in and be a Brian Arakpo type of player, which is obviously something that the Falcons should not scoff at because that is something that's sorely missing uh, on their defense. And certainly I think Chase Young has a lot of potential to be much more than that uh, coming into the league in, in the near future. So he's not necessarily the guy, if I was ranking the last five elite pass rushers that I would say, that's the guy that's worth trading two first round picks to get. But as I often say, in these conversations when it's particularly as a Falcon fan, beggars can't be choosers. So if he is the pick, I, I can't really get too mad at the Falcons for that. But I do wonder if maybe, you know, there was a couple of other guys that if you were going to sell the farm to get, maybe they would have been your, your preferred options over someone like a chase young. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Dave, I appreciate you coming on. We did it. We, we answered the questions. We got, down to the root of the trade up talk. Now it's just going to be a file uh, finding out whether or not the Falcons actually go through with it. And it, you know, it's, it would be weird to me. And obviously I, I, again, as I said earlier, I'm going to die on this hill, but it would be weird to me of all the teasing that they have done trading up that they now actually finally go through with it. But uh, we'll just sort of have to see how that goes and, and go ahead and plug your Twitter as well as some of the other great content that you and the boys and girls have coming up at the Falcoholic over the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, so you can find me at the Falcoholic on Twitter um, and the Falcoholic.com is our site, of course. Um, so we're looking to. You know, hit the draft as we always do. We're trying to get ready for every possibility. And as we learned a year ago, that still often fails. You might have 20 players that you're ready for and Chris Lindstrom gets picked. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But, but we'll have a lot of live draft coverage. And, of course, we'll have our live alcoholic um, show um, with a Brady Bunch-esque number of people on it, um, both of the first nights of the draft. So check that out. Absolutely. And uh, Dave, man, I appreciate you joining me on today's episode. And I hope to maybe chat with you next week to get your thoughts on what actually does or will happen uh, over the next couple of days and get your thoughts on whether or not the Falcons 
disappointed us or for once in our lifetimes exceeded our expectations? Well, let's not get too crazy now. But <laughs> <laughs> at the very least, we got to settle up for the Postmates. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, man, I appreciate you joining me, and I hope you have a good week and, uh, you know, stay safe out there. You too. Take it easy. Okay, guys, that's it. And tomorrow we will be back with another guest, and I will leave it as a surprise on who that guest will be, but we will have an interesting conversation, probably somewhat about the draft, maybe about some other topics. And uh, we'll see you guys, you know, thereafter we will have a rapid reaction on Friday to whatever the Falcons do. And I hope it's AJ Terrell just so I can say I told you so and dunk on all of you Uh, because I don't want to eat that plate of crow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Guys, appreciate you uh, tuning in. We got more great content. We got more days. You know, this is the, the second of. I don't know, like 10 episodes in a row that you guys are going to get. So, uh, yeah, we're in, we're in this for the long haul and I appreciate you guys tuning in and sending in those questions. And I know you're going to have more questions. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that until then guys. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.